Welcome to Taiwan Talk. I'm Donovan Smith. Joining me today is Todd Blackhurst, who's a Baptist missionary here in Taichung. Welcome. Thanks. Great to be on the program. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about now being a missionary. It's something that uh, I'm not religious. I don't know very much about. Sure. So, yeah. what do you do? Well, it's a great question. I am a missionary. I work with a local church here, Taichung Baptist Church. Uh, one of the first churches that was actually planted here in Taichung when the Cultural Revolution happened. And I work with college students. Um, maybe a lot of people kind of have the idea that missionaries are out, you know, converting the heathen and doing some of that. That's not exactly... Maybe there are some like yes, that. Yes, you're not wearing a pith helmet. No, no, I am not. I am just your average guy who cares about people. And, and that's really the first thing about being missionaries, uh, caring about people. I think, um, taking our example from the Bible and trying to meet people's needs. And then if people are interested in what you have to offer as far as the gospel, as far as what um, you want to share, then then you give it to them. But uh, no, I'm not shoving things down people's throats or doing things like that. One of the things that we do uh, is work with local universities and try to give students an opportunity to interact with native English speakers. That's a way that we've found we can serve the culture here. Um, several of the universities have trouble giving their students those kinds of opportunities, and we have friends in the United States who are happy to share their vacation time and their resources and come here and spend a week or two serving students here. And so it gives us an opportunity to serve and do good, which is part of our Christian mission. Um, working alongside the church, we're able to interact with people who are interested in faith and religion, maybe sometimes at a crisis point in their life or, or whatever, and when we do have the opportunity, we, of course, do share the gospel, which we believe is important for life. But um, that's that's what I do as a missionary. Yeah, now, I, I mean, I've uh, met you around. Uh, yes, you're definitely not the type who pushes it. Um, you're, you're, you're open about who you are, but I think uh, you, you know, we meet you around in the community. And uh -huh. so, Now, one of the things that you also do is taijongexpat.com. And you do excellent podcasts, and uh, this has been a big service to the community. Is this oh, one thanks. of the needs that, that you see to be filled? Yeah. One of those good works? Well, actually, it, it came out of, when I moved here, obviously I needed to learn Mandarin as part of my, my job as a missionary. So I realized just how hard it was to live here without speaking Mandarin. There are so many things that, as a foreigner, um, you can't do by yourself. You need a Taiwanese friend or or somebody to help you get things done. And so as I was learning Mandarin, I, honestly, the website just came out of that experience of, oh, I finally figured out how to do this. And there are plenty of expats here who just don't learn Chinese. And not for any bad reason, but maybe their jobs, they don't have time if they're teaching at a cram school or a bushy band. You know, it's really impossible to find the time to go full-time and study Chinese. So you can learn how to order food or something like that, but really getting in-depth language studies is a virtual impossibility. So taichungexpat.com became a way for me to share some of the things that I learned, and then culturally, too. You know, you can make a lot of mistakes in Asian culture coming from the West um, really easily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and we all have, uh, yeah. certainly. I mean, I, I'm certainly no expert. But as I would learn things from my Chinese teachers or by just making mistakes myself, um, I tried to share some of those things or discoveries around town, you know, people, uh, you know, and you've been here a lot longer than I have. So you remember days when it was really impossible to find <laughs> some Very things. much so, yeah. yes. So, you know, yeah. I've been here five years and when we first moved here, there were a few things that were pretty hard to find. And so you would come upon this discovery 
and you want to tell everybody because you want everybody to buy it so the person reorders it. Yeah. So, you know, just sharing things that um, were made life a little bit easier here. Yeah. I thought that was really important. And the podcast um, just came out of my personal life. I, I like people. I genuinely like people. I like to hear their stories. And I think when we live in a foreign culture like we do here, we lose the ability to, we, we lose our story. Yeah. You know, in our home cultures, we're known. We're known by our background. We're known by a group of people who's kind of grown with us over a period of time. You move over here and you lose all of that instantly. Yeah. And so the podcast gives us an opportunity to share um, our stories and begin to think about other people's stories. And, and that's something that I, I find really fascinating and something I, I like about you as a person when you know, meeting you around is, is you, you're the kind of person who wants to engage in dialogue with people. Um, regardless of different backgrounds or religions or yeah. political views. And so I find that quite striking. Um, now, what, what brought you to that sort of way of viewing relationships with people? Oh, I don't know. I think it does come out of my Christianity, my Christian beliefs. I think it also comes out of my family. Um, my family is a very vocal family. We, we tend <laughs> to be very straightforward with each other. Um, I think it also comes out of having some really great people in my life over the course of many years, my college professors, and then some people that I worked with over the course of my life taught me that dialogue really helps us understand other people. And of course, I believe that the things I believe are very important, <laughs> but how can I ask someone else to consider what I believe if I don't first consider what they think and what they believe? So I, I think I've hopefully learn to be a good question asker, to consider what the viewpoint that other people are coming from. And behind that viewpoint is always a story. Another person's history, that they've been through some things that brought them to that viewpoint. And if you listen to my podcast, I think what you'll find is, uh, that's what I'm trying to draw out of people, is yeah. their story. What happened to them? What have they been through in their life? And when you meet some of the people around town, because some of these people are rather well-known in the expat community, I hope you'll remember that. But remember, too, those of you who are listening, you have a story, too. Yeah. And you should share it. And you should also ask the other people that you know about their story. Yeah. There's plenty of things we don't very often share with each other, but we should. Yeah. There's a lot of polarization going on yeah. um, in society. And, and uh, I really appreciated, for example, you interviewed uh, Wade Cardell, mm -hmm. who's uh, founded Taichung Atheists here in yeah. town, and, and opened a dialogue. And I, I think yeah. that's uh, something that we don't see too much of these days. Right. So about the, the dialogues that you create, so some of the people that you, you've interviewed, yeah. um, what do you feel that you got out, out of that or, or that the listeners could, could get out of that? I think one of the things that um, maybe maybe the first thing I would hope that people would get. I think I'm. You you made a statement earlier that I'm very upfront about who I am. Yeah, and I am. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a Christian. I don't make any bones about that, yeah. and I'll be happy to talk about that with anybody. But that's it. I'll talk about it with you. Sure. I'm not yeah. going to shove it down your throat. Yeah. I'll just talk about it with you. But the people that I interview on my podcast have very diverse beliefs from what I hold in some cases. Yeah. And. Um, that's okay. We don't have to agree to be friends, 
to like each other. Actually, that's, I think, one of the things that's really missing from a lot of the conversations today. When we look at each other across a table, across a room, across an issue, we forget that people are, are people. Yes. And, and I think one of the things that I think is really important in that situation is, can I like you? Yeah. Even if I disagree with you. Can I, can I look at this person who holds a very different or divergent view from me and still be friends with you? Yeah. You know, could I go have a drink with you? Could I go bowling with you? Could I go play football or watch a game with you? And on every occasion, I pretty much could say, yeah, I, I would. I would want to. You know, my wife and I uh, have met a lot of the people that we interview together, and we often think, wow, let's, why, why aren't we having dinner with these people, you know? And, and a lot of times our lives are just very divergent, so sure. it doesn't always work out. But these are all people that I would love to be in our close inner circle, even though we're, we have very divergent paths. Yeah, I think today's uh, society tends to be, we tend to polarize into into opposite camps and not, not a lot of dialogue going on. Which results in the very thing that we really don't want to happen. Because the issues that we are dealing with, uh, take, you know, take any number of issues, homosexuality or politics, um, immigration, all of these issues, at the very deepest level, what are we talking? People. Yes. And what, who, what ends up happening is the people end up getting hurt. People end up getting hurt. Yes. If we can't have a conversation, a real conversation about our, even our very divergent views, then we actually never end up really helping anybody. Yes. I think that's and very... And that's, that's what we really want to do. Yes. <laughs> so, can I, can I ask? I, yeah. I, I, I saw that uh, you studied music originally. Yeah. And so what brought you to become a missionary? What was the driving yeah, well, catalyst for that? That's truly a great question. You know, um, I did study music. I actually am a keyboard person I, in, in college. Um, I had this very interesting career path. Actually, in high school, I, I felt like I was supposed to go into ministry, uh, church ministry. I believe God was calling me that direction. But that was back in the 80s. And in the 80s, you either, in Texas, you were either a pastor a music person or a youth director. And because I played the piano at the time, everybody said, oh, well, you should go into music. But I really didn't want to. But I didn't seem like there was another option for me. So I ended up going to college and studying piano. Okay. And after my first semester, um, my piano teacher told me I really wasn't that great of a pianist. <laughs> so, so uh, But I didn't know what else to do, so I just kept on. But thankfully, there were some really great people at the church that I worked at who were investing in my life, caring about me. And I think that's probably where that initial phase of learning to care about people came from. And I, I developed a love for the Bible and a love for people. And so after college, I started working with young people in the church that we were attending and realized that by investing in other people's lives that was really where you you really made a difference. And also I realized it really didn't matter what the job was. You know, I could work at McDonald's and make a difference in people's lives. So the, the job title to me is really not that important. Mm -hmm. Now, thankfully for me, I, I have gotten to work in some great churches over the years back in the States. But then about 12, 13, 14 years ago, um, one of the things that our 
church in America decided was we, we felt like it was really important that our young people who were in a small Texas town have an opportunity to experience a foreign culture before they went to college. We felt like that would be a transformative experience for them to go to a foreign culture, have an opportunity to, to share the gospel. And so we brought a, a group here to Taichung. Oh, they still here now? 2005. Uh, no, we brought about 20 kids over okay. just for a week. Right. And so that was my first time to ever come to Asia in 2005. And it was a really overwhelming experience for me in a great way because I, I had never been to this side of the world. I'd been to Africa, um, but Asia is different. It's, it's a whole different... Oh, definitely. Yeah, very yeah. different from that side of the world. So are you still bringing students over? Yes, we right. do. Okay. Yeah, so it's a we, uh, ongoing It's program. an ongoing program. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that we do with colleges is um, let them come here and help out with the English programs in the universities. And then we also put on some summer camps that students can sign up for if they want to. But that was kind of my initial exposure to Asia and kind of what started me down the path of moving my family over here, although it took about 10 years for that to happen. I just came back every year and and realized that in America where I lived, um, the majority of the people were already exposed to the Christian faith. Yeah. Whereas here in Taiwan, the exposure to the Christian faith is really nominal, 3% or so. And so um, it just didn't, I couldn't reconcile that with my, what my belief system was that, um, I had so many opportunities in my, my place where I lived in the States and people here had no, had very little opportunity. And so I felt like I could be a part of making a difference here in some people's lives. So that's why we moved over. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, obviously this is a, I mean, you found a, a profession that you really enjoy. Yeah, I do. Um, and what are some of the things that you feel particularly, proud of or you feel that you've you've made a difference that you've made an impact well uh, pride is a you know a scary word for any christian to use and i'm, I'm not trying to deflect it because i do feel proud about it in some things but i think one there are certain things, things in life that you can feel a sense of satisfaction yeah, i do feel yeah i think one of the things that i feel a great sense of satisfaction about is a couple of years ago we started um taichung international fellowship which actually came out of just a small group of expats meeting together for Bible study, meeting in my house. And as I was getting to know the expat community, I found that there were a number of other expats who had religious backgrounds, but they couldn't find a church or a place to connect to here in Taichung. And Taiwanese church is really hard to connect to because it's all Taiwanese or Chinese and, you know, you can't understand what's going on unless you're pretty fluent. I mean, you really have to achieve a significant level of fluency to kind of know what's what's happening in a Taiwanese church service. So we said, what if we were to have, a, you know, just open it up and see what happened. And out of that has grown this beautiful group of people, multinationals, um, from about 30 different countries who gather together. And interestingly enough, the whole service is in English, but probably half of the church, English is their second language. And so um, it's this really eclectic group of people that I would have never had the opportunity to know back in the States. Yeah. You know, some really wonderful Mongolians, French people, South Africans, Vietnamese people, Indonesian people. 
And I just feel like, sometimes I, I, I tell my wife, I just say, I must be the most blessed person in the world. The, the lucky, I just want to say, I'm just the luckiest person in the world to have lived the life that I get to live. Because how, could I, how on earth could I have all these friends? And so I'm, I guess if you were to say proud, I guess I'm pretty proud of that. that yeah. I get to be a part of that with some really wonderful people. And that church, the DNA of that church is not, it's not a club, you know, and, and, and not, I'm not talking about any other churches in Taichung because I really don't know any, but I know that I've experienced that before, that some churches end up being just kind of a club for the, you know, the people who go there. But our people really love this city and we should. And we care about what happens here. And we look around and we see that there are issues in the city. And we're trying to see how can we be a part of the solution? How can we, Why did God bring us together? And what can we do to put ourselves in the place where the biggest hurt is and be a part of fixing it? So that's, uh, that's what I'm really excited about coming. Yeah. Um, so... Sort of moving, uh, sort of. I guess it is also connected to Taichung Expat. Yeah. Um, has the reaction been to Taichung Expat? Do, do you feel like it's making a, a? I know that a lot of people use it as a resource. Yeah, I think a lot of people use it as a resource. I, I go through personally. I go through ups and downs with it. Right. You know? I mean, just season. It's like seasonal for me. I, I'll go through a period where I'm really passionate about it, and I try to produce content and put stuff on it, and then I kind of get you know off onto something else and. You know, it's not something I do. I don't make any money off of it. I don't, you know, so it's just a labor of love, honestly. And um, I do think I get regular notes from people or emails from people or Facebook messages from people. And people ask me, how do I do this or how do I find this or whatever. And one of the things that I really love about now having been in the city for, you know, five years is certainly not a long period of time compared to many other expats here. But now I'm starting to know enough people where if I don't know the information, I know who knows. Yeah. And I can say, hey, I don't know, but so-and-so, I know this person, can I connect you two? And they'll help you figure it out. And that's what I think makes a great community here, is we have so many great expats here who are willing to share their expertise and resources and information and how do we figure things out that we have a we have a great community here. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel like it because I think a lot of people move here and you see other expats on the street mm-hmm. and you have that initial experience where you don't know if you're supposed to say anything or you know there's kind of that that freak out moment where it's yeah, like yeah. uh and and you just turn your head and kind of walk away. <laughs> And the I've, days, the days when we all just said hi to each other yeah. on the streets because we were such a novelty to each other. Yeah, that, uh, those days are gone now. I, yeah, and everybody has an explanation for that. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I really don't know why that's the case. I, I feel bad about. It. I, I honestly, I'll just go up to people in restaurants if I see them and try to introduce myself and talk to them. Yeah, I, that's probably my Texas, you know, overly friendly <laughs> Southern guy. And honestly, some people give me the look like you are weird, but. If I do that to you, uh, please just know there's nothing behind it other than a friendly handshake, and I, I genuinely want to know who you are. But I, I think uh, you can't assume, number one, that everybody's from your country. Of course, That's yeah. one thing. You know, I mean, it, sometimes I've gone up to people and said that, and they look at me because with this strange look, because they don't even speak English. Oh, right. you know, they might yeah. look like me, but they sure. probably speak Scandinavian or something. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah. you know, and so you have that weird moment. But yeah. 
Um, yeah, so... Uh, but I, I do believe Tai Chung's people really do genuinely care about each other. And, like, you know, Sean Bettinson. I had yes. Sean on Oh, yeah, excellent guy. And Sean is able to mobilize resources when people get in trouble. And, yes, and I think that's a very really important thing to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we have a great community. Yeah, I'd agree. So, uh, do you also serve as a minister, or do do you lead church services? I do. That... Tai Chung International Fellowship, our church, uh, I'm one of the pastors, and so I preach regularly. Um, I, I shepherd, care for the people there. I mean, in, in biblical terms, we call it shepherd, but I care for the people there. I love them. And, try to help out with their needs. Now, that always struck me as something that would be, in a lot of ways, could be a very hard job. Um, You know, like I mentioned, I'm not religious myself, but but I remember going through some hard times and thought that, you know, I'm a little bit jealous of the community that Mm. uh, Christians have. But it also really struck me is that it seems like ministers kind of, in a way, act as everything from marriage counselors to, you know, help people, you know, psychologically, yeah. help guide them spiritually through their life, uh, there for them in really tough times. And if you look at the, sort of the secular versions of this, they tend to be very expensive. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We're free. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, you know I, I gather you're kind of underpaid then. <laughs> well, But yeah, is, yeah. Is, it a, is, is it challenging? It is challenging, but it's also incredibly rewarding. And interestingly enough, I will say, I have done a lot of marriage counseling here in Taiwan. Um, and the the intercultural marriages, and we talk about that in the podcast too. By the way, there's some great conversations coming up about that. But intercultural marriages bring with them some really unique challenges. And it's not that you shouldn't do it or whatever. It just there's some real unique challenges when you merge two very diverse cultures. That being said, um, I find it incredibly rewarding to help people. Because, not because I'm an expert, but because my own marriage has been helped greatly. You know, listen, I've been married almost 24 years, and um, my wife's going to kill me for saying this, but, you know, I mean, we, we still fight. We still argue. We still have difficulties. Today, we had, like, a massive fight this morning before she left for work. But That's normal. But, you know, before I came to see you this evening, you know, we, we met for dinner, and she she could boy we were like you know gasoline and matches someday and, and and it's true yeah but part of it is we just made a commitment to each other that no matter what happened we would stick it through and yeah some days is is like a little bit of a explosion but you know what tomorrow it'll be okay I made a promise to stick it out with her and I'm going to and she made the same promise to me and there's nothing that'll tear us apart and so that that helps us and our faith helps us and whatever. But honestly, most of the people that I've done marriage counseling for are irreligious, hmm. not people out of our church. I think church people are actually too embarrassed to ask for it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I get these crazy emails from people in the community, and they're like, hey, I saw you're a minister, or I read this blog article you wrote, and we're about to get a divorce. Can you help us? And you know, we, and I think they think because they don't know me, it's like this safe, you know, <laughs> which it is. It's no, completely yeah, safe, yeah. you know, and, um, we've helped people with psychological issues. You know, we've dealt with that inside of our family. I have compassion for that. Oh my gosh! I mean, listen, living in a foreign culture, you can really deal with some significant sounds. <laughs> you can really deal with some significant issues psychologically. It'll bring out some stuff. 
And, you, you know, you'll have people tell you, oh, just suck it up and, you know, everything will be okay. No, it won't. Yeah. It'll just get worse. And you'll find yourself, you know, on the bathroom floor. And you need help. And I can't, and I can't necessarily help you with that, but I at least know the resources to get you pointed in the right direction. Whether you need medicine or counseling or whatever, sometimes you just need those things. Well, it's been great talking with you, and thank you for all the help that you give the community, yeah. uh, to all of us in the community. Um, now, I'd like to give a brief shout-out to taijungexpat.com uh, and the uh, podcasts. Uh, and how can people get in touch with you about joining the Taijung uh, Fellowship? Yeah, so we're really, I, listen, like I said, we're really public and open. You can look me up on Facebook, Todd Blackhurst. I'm, I'm more than happy to accept a friend request. Uh, our church is also uh, located easily on the Internet. Just search Taichung International Fellowship. It's the only one. You'll find it on Facebook or on the web. We have a website. So look us up and come join us on Sunday nights at 5.30 p.m. right in the middle of downtown. All right, thank you very much for joining us here on Taiwan Talk. I'm Donovan Smith.